And a big old happy Tuesday to you, Limeland. Welcome inside the Basement Doctor Studio for Cookie and the Monster. I'm John Cook. My co-host is Garrett Seawright. However, you're choosing to join us today, whether we're on your radio at 931thefan.com or on the free 931thefan app, we appreciate you making time for us. It's Tuesday. It's two days after the Super Bowl. I checked. The Bengals didn't win. They've not been awarded a win because of the fact that it would be a great story. They didn't win. That's depressing. Well, you know, John, I don't know if you heard, but there were some missed penalties, I'm told, on Facebook. Yes. <laughs> that maybe, just maybe, if the NFL didn't have the fix in, that they wanted Matt Stafford, their golden boy, in the Rams, who they obviously favored, you know, that didn't cost them hundreds of millions of dollars this season. If they hadn't been favoring the Rams, the Bengals could have won. I love screenshots. I love st- live action photos that show me that this is what an official missed. I remember back when Ohio State beat Miami in the national Old championship Glenn game. Sharp. Everybody was going crazy about the late pass interference call, but then you got all these screenshots of Ohio State defenders with their jerseys being pulled halfway off their pads and no holding was called, and I get all that. I'm just going to say this. <clears throat> there were mistakes in that game that were made by the officials. There were relatively few penalties called, which means there had to be some missed. When you have a very low number of penalties called, there have to be some that get missed. But when you get a 75-yard touchdown because your guy almost turned a guy's helmet backwards without removing it from his head, you don't get to complain about calls that may have cost you something. Also, when you've got a guy that's not in uniform that gets a penalty for coming out and celebrate, (laughs) that's just an indictment of your entire franchise and your entire team for at least that moment. And... I don't know. I I could not have ever watched that game. I could have watched it 10 times over and never would have said, here are the reasons that the officials had the impact on this game that determined the outcome. Not a chance. Not a chance of that. I'm disappointed uh, that we've we've so quickly gotten into the, well, the Bengals were lucky to get there, and the Bengals were this, and the Bengals were that. And I I said it last night, and I'll say it again. It was a pretty good season, and it was a really good playoff run. And I don't know why we have to indict people on that. Uh, there is some criticism. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the program. It seems like some criticism coming from some spots that I'm not real sure I understand or going directed at some spots that I'm not real sure why that would be the case. Uh, pretty light night in sports last night. Just one top 25 college hoops game, which happened to be one that I was particularly interested in because, to be gut-level honest, I am a big Kansas basketball fan, although I say that with a lot less pride and a lot less volume than I used to before Bill Self started <laughs> Blatantly cheating. Oh, you like cheaters, John? Getting, is that getting it? away with it. I, I became a Kansas fan. And this is a funny story, but Danny Manning was a high school phenom, and when I heard he was going to Kansas, I decided I was going to root for him. And Larry Brown was their coach, and they won a national title. And then they hired Roy Williams, and I was all in for the whole Roy Williams era. But I also, at that time, was coaching high school basketball in Jackson Center, and we were running a lot of the old Illinois two game stuff. We really liked it. I had two post guys and not a ton of other talent raw talent and it was undeveloped talent and so we we ran there so I really liked Bill Self at, at Illinois I liked his offense liked the way he coached his team obviously he was very good so when Roy Williams retired I was kind of all in let's just go get Bill Self let that be the deal and and so it, but it's kind of hard to deny that the guys soiled his reputation a bit over the last handful of years they've not had quite the talent that we're used to their good is really good they got a 76 to 62 win over Oklahoma State last night and uh, they are one of a handful of teams that have a chance to get to a Final Four and or win a national title. But one of the other ones is Kentucky that went into their building, into Kansas's building, where you're not supposed to do this, and absolutely beat the brakes off of the Jayhawks. Yeah, so 
I won't spend much time talking D1 hoops because that was the only game last night. Uh, there is a, a matchup tonight uh, for Buckeye fans to have an interest. OSU Minnesota. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the program. And there were a couple of high school games uh, last night of, of some level of interest. Versailles, who I had said recently, because I like to embarrass myself publicly, after one loss and a couple of close wins, I had said Versailles maybe have peaked a little too early and maybe in a negative trend. They they hosted Delta St. John's last night and got a 16-point win. I don't know how bad you have to or how good you have to be to play poor in a 16-point win. I can't imagine that they played poorly. Yeah. Holding an opponent to 42 points, getting a 58-42 win there. Waynesfield Goshen got a win on the road at Ridgedale, 66-54. Uh, Indian Lake fell to North Union last night, 58-53. The Riverside Pirates got hammered by Northridge, 62-36. Layman Catholic fell to Miami East, 43-40. That's a little bit of a rivalry game down in that neck of, woods, neck of the woods to a degree. And a slate of high school games uh, coming up tonight, not the least of which is the fan game of the week. We are going to be at Lipsick High School, bringing you Fort Jennings and Lipsick. We'll be on the air uh, right around 7 o'clock for that one, which means after about 5.15 or so, you won't you won't hear oh, us live in the studio. I thought you were going to say after about five <laughs> JV overtime. Yeah, no, so no. We, no, if we go to a, if we go to a Tuesday night game and there's JV overtime and a Hall of Fame induction, you're doing the game alone. I'm grabbing dinner and driving back home. <laughs> and I, I I understand you can't just bail out of the Hall of Fame induction when JV goes two overtimes. I get it. There are ways we could pick up the pace just a bit. <laughs> Seven inductees. Hey, you and know, congratulations uh, to each and every right. one of those people that they got inducted harder, the well Hall of Fame last weekend. But after a double overtime JV game, we were just needing to get on the air and have a ball game, and it took a while. We, we tipped off after 8 p.m. that night. Yep. That can't happen tonight, right? It, uh, if it does, somebody's going to hear, hear more than they did on Friday. I held it in <laughs> good Friday. We're going to burn through our 15. Oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, Tuesday night slate sees Fort Recovery at Minster, Coldwater at Parkway, St. Henry at New Knoxville. All of those, of course, Midwest Athletic Conference games in the Blanchard Valley Conference. McComb is going to travel to North Baltimore. Northwest Central Conference action has Ridgedale at Temple Christian. Again, Putnam County League. We will be at Lipsick for Fort Jennings and Lipsick. Liberty Liberty Center takes on Bryan. Felita Central Catholic will be at Fremont Ross. And there is a non-league game that is a traditional rivalry-type game. Tonight, Allen East at Upper Scioto Valley. I'm telling you, I think the Rams need to be on upset alert for that one. Allen East is yeah. in a little bit of a struggle, but they played pretty well against Bluffton last weekend. And, and for Allen East, they kind of need to get a win because their last six are really, really they got they got a schedule in their They're, last six. Yeah, uh, let me pull up uh, Allen East's final six games of the season. They were 11 and five going into the tournament draw. Had a lot to be excited for, and still do honestly. But they got to go earn it. But their final five games of the season, or final six games of the season, are Spencerville, Bluffton, USV, Columbus Grove, Perry. That's 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 a challenge. Your final week of the season is USV, who is pretty, sixteen and two. I believe I was say, they're seventeen and two. Seventeen and two. Uh, Columbus Grove, who are now uh, fourteen and seven, and Perry, who is now seventeen and four. Enjoy your week. So that's a week of, of hoops right there for the Allen East Mustangs. They'll be at Ooh. Upper Side of Valley. And Kaleido will be at Shawnee tonight. Once yeah. upon a time, that that was a possibility for a fan game of the week once upon a time. Until about last Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a fan game of the week until 
Uh, for, you know, uh, Fort Jennings Lipstick was supposed to be on Thursday night, but Fort Jennings girls basketball team is playing in the sectional tournament that night, and rather than split up their uh, fan base, they moved it to tonight. So good work by all the athletic administrators to getting that done, and we'll be in Lipstick. And Lima Senior's got a home game tonight, right? Taking on Springfield, Springfield High School. And I, Springfield High School tonight I at think Lima Senior. that's... Holland Springfield and not Springfield Springfield, but I'm not certain. Didn't they already play Springfield Springfield? That would be a question that you could ask me when we're off the air and I could look it up because I really don't know. If it's Holland Springfield, then that's a a matchup I would feel pretty good about the Spartans. Uh, It might be Springfield Springfield. Might be Springfield Springfield. Have you been to their new facility? I have. Holy smokes, is that nice? Nice joint. Yeah, there's some uh, Division III colleges that could take a note from how to have a nice facility when you don't expect to have 4,000 people in your building, but you might get two. <laughs> <laughs> you could have a nice atmosphere. No question about it. Uh, LCC tonight, Liberty Benton? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, we got some games. Coldwater St. Mary's postponed, it says. I'm yeah, because Coldwater, um, Coldwater had to make room to reschedule their game with Parkway uh, because that's the Oof. that was the Friday night that um, everybody in the area probably should have played. but Didn't? Um, <laughs> But by God, we did. But <laughs> administrators these days, and I get yeah. it. You, oh, I you, you're not worried. You're worried about liability. You ain't putting a bus on the. But I I drove from uh, Salina to Lima, and then to Shawnee and back home, and drove about two miles slower than I usually do. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I, I but but that's neither here nor there. Ridgemont Corey Ross tonight. Marion local at Wapakoneta. That's a fun one. I think that game is absolutely fascinating, and there's not a score that you could give me. As long as neither team gets above sixty, then we'll surprise about fifty-five. If, 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 if we're staying fifties and down, you could you could get you could name the score, and I wouldn't be surprised. No matter who you say is going to win, who you say is going to lose, or what the margin is right. going to be, I'm expecting it to be a very close game because that's kind of how that works uh, between schools to play the way those guys play. Van Buren is at Bluffton, Ayersville at Liberty Center, Van Wert at Crestview. Just an absolutely huge slate tonight. I am really looking forward to seeing Lipsick play and seeing Mason Brandt. Kid can play. Not seen him live since he was a sophomore in high school. See lots and lots of highlights, but when you're watching lots and lots of highlights, you're going to come away from it saying, "Wow, that kid's pretty good." Well, uh, I did That's their why game against, highlights. I did their game last year against Ottawa, and Ottawa ran him out the gym pretty early. And I, I have no problem saying that Mason Brandt quit. He was like, "Yeah, hell with this. We're just going to get through this, and and this sucks." And I came away and was like, "That kid's supposed to be a D two player. He scored like 570 points this season." <laughs> It is an astronomical number. Things are going well for the Vikings, and I'm looking forward to seeing seeing them too. Saw that young man go north of 30 about three times in the first five ball games, and said, "I don't know when I'm going to get to see him play, but I'm hoping it's soon." It's a little bit later than I had expected, but looking forward to seeing it. And uh, the rivalry with Fort Jennings is a good one; should be in- intriguing as well. It is uh, finally no longer football season. We are fully locked in, all hoops from here until, well, maybe forever. <laughs> we need to ask Commissioner Manfred what that's maybe going to well. be like. But uh, we, we may be getting back into the USFL and getting excited if baseball doesn't give us something else to talk about. We got a show a little bit shorter today with Garrett and I. We're going to have to get on the road to head to Lipsick, but we will be with you uh, until about 520-ish. 525. We got poll questions after this, and then a little Joe Burrow conversation before we get into a little Ohio State Minnesota preview in our football 515. Thanks for joining us. Stick with us on the other side of this, Don. Jenkins Jeweler Timeout. I am John Cook. He's Garrett Seawright. Cookie and the Monster. 93 1 the fan. Welcome back inside the basement doctor studio. Cookie and the Monster is presented by Lewis Family McDonald's. You can apply online at work at mcd.com. 
where you can work today and get paid tomorrow at Lewis Family McDonald's. And we got Twitter poll questions. We do. We got two of them up at 931 The Fan on Twitter. And you can vote in these poll questions until 510 today. Short and show. We asked, what's more likely next season? That the Bengals miss the playoffs or that the Bengals return to the Super Bowl? 79% say it's more likely they miss the playoffs. And I don't know if that's because the division's so good or division should be better or I th- they don't have faith in the Bengals. I think it has to be. Now, the, the number is higher than I thought. But let's be honest. Th- throw any team out there that's not the Chiefs. I was going to say, anybody that's not the Kansas City And Chiefs. ask me if it's more likely that they make the Super Bowl or don't make the postseason. And I'm going to have to really think about that. the answer to that question. And then you start looking at like, factors. For anybody like, to make the Super Bowl is a tremendously difficult yes. and sometimes underappreciated feat clearly, and sometimes clearly. takes a lot of... You are it, That is determined by things that are well outside of any one individual or team's control. The Bengals are case in point of they had to accomplish it, but they had to have a lot of things go their way. And the likelihood is that very little of what went their way this year will, will bounce their way next year. But boy, I guess I would. I guess I would support what the, what the vote is. I just think I'm a little surprised it's, it's that high. Yeah, it's high. Um, that's and I, I think it's probably more likely. Yeah, that they would miss the playoffs than return to the Super Bowl. But I didn't. I, I guess I'm thinking of chances. Is, is there an 80 percent chance the Bengals miss the playoffs last next year? No, no I don't think so. And so I get, no, but there's. I I think it's above 50. Yeah, and I have no maybe slightly above fifty. 50 per, think, basically, fifty yeah. percent of the playoffs are turnover every year. That there's a new, there's a half new crop of playoff teams next year. That is it likely that the Bengals are in that fifty percent that don't make the playoffs? Yeah, probably. Our second poll question and final poll questions. You can vote in until five forty five ten at nine three on the fan on Twitter. Now the football season's over. What takes your attention? It's college basketball, NFL draft, spring training, NBA. Fifty percent say college basketball. I like that, except I I struggle because I, I'm also a guy that's a big fan of what is it? Less than three percent are saying the NBA. Yeah, and I'll watch probably equal parts both. I I, I would anyway. I'll watch more basketball now that football's not on, just because there's no right, other just, option. And I I would still lean toward that. But college basketball, especially now, when you say the word the phrase "now that the season's over," you got to really Pretty narrow window. It's February fifteenth. Yeah. How how many, how many days are we away from Selection Sunday? Uh, roughly a month. As I say, we not even. Not even. I would say we're less than that. I so I think the I believe Selection Sunday is February, or excuse me, mm. March thirteenth. I, I I I didn't know what day. I, I would have said probably the thirteenth. It can't it can't be the sixth. Is too early. Yeah, it's not. So it's got to be the thirteenth. Big... So we're we're right at a month, uh, give or take. So even in this ADD culture that we live in, where you have to constantly be entertained, it's easier to lock in on college hoops right now because you're finishing a regular season. You got conference tournaments and championship week, and then you've got the selection show, and and away we go. So that's easier for people to lock in on. The NBA is getting just as exciting, but it's a lot longer run because we know we're going to be talking NBA on some level. We can at least talk about the NBA until July. Right. I was going to say. So that's a problem for some people. June, yeah. And And the 13th is Selection Sunday. I am really, really shocked 
that 16% of our voting public has said in Major League Baseball spring training is going to occupy their attention. I hope you got something else to do. <laughs> Pick up beekeeping or uh, start worrying about your yard. Oh, you, yeah, be, the, be those landscaping people. See, Start getting into that. NFL draft, 30% of our people say that's what's next for them. Which I get to a point. College football is the second most popular sport in America, so you know all those dudes, and then you wonder where they slot into your NFL team. I get it. On on the sidebar, I want to be like dude who my yard looks like a minor league baseball field. Like I got the patterns, and it's rolled a certain way. And then I quickly realize it's the same reason why I don't hunt anymore. I don't have the patience for that. I just don't. I just don't got it. I don't have the bankroll. I don't. I don't have. Every time I've thought about doing some of that kind of stuff, and I really admire the people that do it. Jerry Harmon was my superintendent and one of my mentors when I went down to Jackson Center to coach. The guy lives and breathes it, man. And he's great at it. And he, but there's a lot of commitment. There's a lot of cost. And I, there's a there's a lot of manual labor. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> goes into that. Eventually, I'm like, eh, I'm out. Okay. No, I, and if I was really, really rich enough to afford it, I would just pay somebody to do it. See, that's my <laughs> thing of like, if I if I cared that much, or is that important to my neighbors that my house looks like the 16th green at a golf course? Yeah, some of this is a product of where I grew up for sure. Well, you know, me too. <laughs> uh, it, I would just pay somebody to make it look nice, and then I would find something else to spend my time with, but. I love mowing a yard, but push mowing's trash. Yes, absolutely. Like when I, where I grew absolutely. up, you know, we had an acre of grass to mow. That was an hour, you know, that's an hour and a half of me not working in the garden or doing whatever, you know, holding a flashlight and getting yelled at by my dad, you know. You got to sit on sit on a lawnmower and listen to radio you for can, Yeah, you can do some good tunes, a ball game, a good oh, podcast yeah. while you're mowing on a yeah. ride mower. Oh, you yeah. Working on your tan. Yeah. Push mowing. <laughs> My wife, nah. I thought you liked mowing the yard. Right. I like sitting on my ass, <laughs> listening to the radio. I'm not trying to get I'm my heart rate up. calling it work. Right. I'm not trying to get my heart rate up. It's not what nah. I signed up for. I spent way too much of my younger years really like hating myself because I wasn't like Mr. Fix-It guy and Mr. Landscaping guy and home beautification guy. I really would have liked to have been that, but I spent enough time trying to force myself to do it. <laughs> to to realize, well, number one, you're really bad at this. Oh, no. I Number two, it's putting you in a bad mood. Number three, when you're done, you won't feel good about the <laughs> fact that you tried. You will not feel good about what you got done. And those three things, like I'm not good at this, I'm getting frustrated, and the results won't make me happy. There's enough of my life that falls into those three categories. I coach <laughs> for a living. And now. And, and, and so I just... I had to get to a place where I could punt on that and be okay. And and still do enough to not just look like a complete and utter, like no one lives here type of right, situation. Right, right, I'm not right. a real big fan of that. But but those people that are really good at it, like I just wish some of them were really, really good friends of mine that would say, hey, you buy lunch and keep me company and we'll, we'll do this. Because I would take them <laughs> up on it and I would buy them lunch and probably... Just about anything else they ask right. me for. You want a 30 rack of bush latte? We'll, we'll, we'll set that up. <laughs> but my problem with it is, like, you kill yourself, and then you get done, and you live out in the country like I do, and, like, three and a half or four weeks later, it's like, I, I got to right. keep doing you this. got to do it again. <laughs> I got to keep doing this. And you know what? The people who, like, I've told my wife this several times, if somebody leaves our house and they're backing out of our driveway, and even the thought enters their mind of, oh, that house doesn't have a whole lot of curb appeal. 
I probably didn't want them in our house to begin with. Like, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. If the first thing that I w- yeah. was at a friend's house on Sunday and they were talking about how, um, you know, our husband, my husband needs to mount or, or run this wire through the wall into the the uh, search protector because it's just it's so ugly to see that search protector sitting there. And I was like, if somebody leaves your house and they're like, can you believe they've got search protectors in their living room? I probably don't want to be your friend at that point. They won't like, be invited back in. Anyway. Yeah, like, I don't. I don't want to talk to you. Most likely. Uh, and, and the end all for me is, seriously, judge me if you want to. That's okay. I've been liked for a lot and disliked for a lot less than <laughs> that this. friend I was, he just texted me and said, don't air my dirty laundry yeah. on the radio. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, get, I get done with, you know, my day and like whether it's college hoops or whether we're getting into baseball season, like it's cutting into some of my fan time. Right. <laughs> seriously cutting into some of my fan time. Everybody, get up earlier and do it. No, 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 no. <laughs> I work in public education for a reason. We get right. to the spring and summer, we start looking about, you know, thinking that it's okay to wake up at seven. That's not, to, that's not a problem. Go to bed when the sun's still slightly up. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. Getting up at 7 a.m. doesn't make you lazy in the real world. But oh, it does no. where I live. <laughs> it does where I live. Like, if you're, not, if you're not at work by seven, you're somehow being lazy. And yeah. when I get to the point where I don't have to do that, I don't really want to invest all my time in the landscaping stuff. My I wife, just don't. My wife my yesterday thing. said, well, well, now I saw it's supposed to be like in the 50s later this week. Do you Tomorrow, th- and then it's going to be like 10 the next day. <laughs> just, don't do, get me started. Do you, do you think you want to make dinner on the grill on Wednesday or Thursday night? Well, it's still dark when I get home. <laughs> like, you know, in, in July when I get home at 7 o'clock, and it's going to be light out for another two and a half hours. I got no problem, but I got to be able to see. We are, be able to see. we are starting to see a little longer, though. It is. Starting it's, to, it's starting to go that direction. A little bit of hope. It's good. We're, we're all happy about that. Hey, we need to take a Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. We got our poll questions up. You said until 510? 510. 510. At 931 The Fan on Twitter, you can vote on those Twitter poll questions until 510. But when we get back from this Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout, everybody's hero, everybody's favorite football player, Joe Burrow, under the microscope a bit after the Super Bowl. We're going to chat about that. Hope you'll come back and join us. On Lima Sports Radio, 93 on the fan. Back inside the basement, Dr. Studio Cookie and the Monster with you on Lima Sports Radio, 93 on the fan. I'm John Cook. My partner is Garrett Seawright with you each and every weekday from 4 to 6. Well, except today. <laughs> you, know, you can hear us until 6, but we're we're, be we, on. We, we won't be in here. <laughs> we, won't, we won't be actually behind the mics until 6. Garrett, I'm going to ask you a question and, and give me your honest response. You're not a Bengals fan, and I'm not a Bengals fan. So, how long do you think it will take the average Bengals fan to look back on this Super Bowl and this season and not feel the bitter disappointment of the Super Bowl loss? Never. You think? I I did say the average Bengals fan. I guess I, I... I, I had a couple phone calls yesterday. I think the average Bengals fan that is roughly your age still has a bitter spot in their heart from Super Bowl. And, and trust me, whatever, it's rough just being Whatever, my age. Super Bowl 25. <laughs> that the loss in 1989 is still, still a bitter pill to swallow. We had the, the reason I asked that question is we had the conversation the week preceding the Super Bowl in which we talked about the fact that on some level, when you're playing with house money, you would think that whenever the end comes, there's an easier ability. That's a lousy sentence. It is easier 
and you should have the ability to appreciate the accomplishment because it was so unexpected. Having said that, though, that's saying that before the game gets played. That's saying that before you know that for the entire second half of that football game, the Bengals gave the Rams nothing (laughs) until a 15-play drive in the final, what, four and a half, five minutes of the contest. Roughly, yeah. For the entirety of the second half, they literally gave the Rams a field goal? A field goal. Yeah. So... Does it does it change things? And the reason I, I'm setting all that up is to say, when you have a hard time getting over something and you get bitter, you want to point finger somewhere. Y- yeah, absolutely, you do. Generally speaking, Zach Taylor's going to be the guy that owns the brunt of that. All, in most situations, on most Sundays or most Mondays or the day after most games, a little bit of criticism heading the way of Joe Burrow. There is, and I, in most of, or at least uh, the, maybe the question has been. Should there be more criticism of Joe Burrow, which I I think is, I think it's it's pretty dumb. Um, which I'll, Dan Dockich, who for <laughs> the mo- for the most part I think is a great radio host. I think he's an absolute moron, but he's damn he's good at his job. Uh, he he t- had tweeted earlier today. Why is there no criticism of Joe Burrow? He throws for 190 yards and no touchdowns. If the BS offensive face mask gets called back, he got sacked seven times. His QBR was 37, and nobody's talking about it. And I I think I, I don't think that's fair. I don't think the seven sacks were necessarily his fault. On fourth and one with a Super Bowl on the line, by the time he got to the top of his drop, he needed to be taking off because he was being pressured. I don't know that that's on him. I think that there, and this is maybe not just a Dockage thing, maybe this is a radio host thing, but it certainly is a Dockage thing to be sure. There is always going to, there are always going to be statements that he makes about which you can say a significant portion of that is factual. Another portion of that is contrived to create buzz and response. And sometimes the balance of those things gets a little skewed. If you're going to use the sacks as a criticism, as a way to justify some criticism of any quarterback, then kiss my rear end on that one. Fair. We, we knew going into the game that seven sacks was likely, and we didn't say that it was going to mean that Joe Burrow didn't perform well. However, it is hard to deny that the 75-yard pass created a statistical number that maybe doesn't represent the actuality of how well he played and how and what we have come to expect. 190 yards and no scores. So so my response to that is okay, it's it's second down when that penalty should have been called. The Bengals don't come out and punt and Joe Burrow doesn't right, get the opportunity right, right. to throw for 75 more yards. So you can't just say, "Well, wipe that off the board and then because you can't do that. It was second down. It's still going to be second and twenty, probably second and twenty-two or whatever it was. You're still going to you get the opportunity for throw for more yards in that situation if the if the penalty is called. I, I think the thing with Joe Burrow is what always happens when somebody becomes a fan favorite and a media darling at the same time, which doesn't always happen. Those two right. things aren't necessarily going to be hand in hand, although they're not completely unrelated very often either he's a media darling and a fan favorite and there is a feeling that when those things happen people get a pass yes 
my statement to that is Joe Burrow may have earned a pass. Joe Burrow may have earned a bit of a of a pass because of everything that it took to get them where they are and to undeni- I mean it's undeniable that he elevated the franchise. It is absolutely, absolutely. undeniable absolutely. that he elevated the franchise and he has elevated the franchise for two full seasons. On the last night of the season, on the biggest stage he's ever going to play on, even if he makes it back four or five or six times, it doesn't get any bigger than playing where he played. Correct. For two and a half quarters, he was elevating his team again. Yes. Whether his numbers were spectacular or not, he was elevating his team. When the Rams' pass rush got into high gear, he didn't have an opportunity to elevate his franchise or his team anymore. He had an opportunity to try to survive. And you know, here, here's the thing that I think is, is maybe a small point, but one that is worth at least pointing out. They weren't that far away from that last play of the game getting caught for a first down. No. It, <laughs> there's the still picture of Jamar Chase having burnt Jalen Ramsey crispy, and that if Joe Burrow gets to st- step into a throw rather than run for his life, Jamar Chase is down the near sideline, wide open well, by himself. And not only that, but on the actual play where he's being turned and thrown and he's slinging the ball to try to avoid the sack, Samaj P. Ryan is not very far right. away from having a chance to catch that football. Now, they would have had to jump up and burn their last time out. And I understand all that. Highly unlikely that they get to field goal range. But here's what I know. I got Joe Burrow and I got Jamar Chase. If I get the chance to snap it one more time, I got chance. I'll take my chances. As long as I get to snap it one more time. And I kept saying that when they when they took the kickoff after the Rams score. Whatever it takes, just get another snap. Whatever it takes, just get another snap. Just give them another snap. With those two dudes. Because with those two guys, that's what can happen. And and I don't discount entirely what Dockage says. I discount the notion that, that we should be somehow standing behind microphones or writing column inches about Joe Burrow's poor performance. I think that's that's trying to trump up controversy yeah. where none should did, like, exist. Did he play great? Was was that an all-time performance that he that is not going to be remembered because they didn't win? No, of course not. But does he deserve criticism for the way he played? Not in my eyes. And I don't think it's close. But he completed 22 of 33 passes against a really good defense and the times and he got sacked 7 times against a really good defense with a backup right tackle and a backup right guard protecting him. Not his fault. No, and and the thing is, Dockage isn't the only guy that started to point those things out, started to bring those things up. It wasn't widespread, but what's going to happen the day after and two days after a Super Bowl? You're going to have things like that. I think that the far more important question for the Bengals is, what is our next move to make sure that 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 we honor what we have, that we we do all that we can? Because I've heard Carson Palmer now two different times on on the Dan Patrick Show say, rather point blank, are the Bengals going to do what it takes to to get Joe Burrow protected and and build around him the way they can? And he's not projecting at all, is he? No, his response is very ad. I mean, he's very direct about it though. He just simply says, in my experience, no. And I I understand that. I understand that Carson. Palmer can say, hey, here's the, here's how it happened for me. And I think you can ask those questions of, is Joe Burrow going to want to stay here long term? You can ask that question in 2025 because it doesn't matter in 2022. 
Right. Now, I'm not saying they've got three years to figure it out before he makes his decision, but are they going to protect him? Probably. Or they're at least going to make the attempt. We'll see whether they're successful or not, but I can't imagine another offseason where everybody knows they need what they need to do and they don't do it like they did last year. Yeah, so pardon the pun here, but does a tiger actually change its stripes? I mean, the Bengals have demonstrated historically that they don't spend money. That they That's don't. That, true. And so when they get to the place where they are one to two years ahead of schedule, is that more of an encouragement to say, well, we're just going to keep doing it our way because it, now it's really working? I think Zach Taylor pounds the table and says, we have to protect this kid. I hope so. And, and if you don't listen to him, that then then everybody then you yes you will be that laughing stock you will be that organization that people thought you were when Joe Burrow did come out because there was that scuttlebutt of whether Joe Burrow's family was smart enough to say hey sorry since we ain't playing for you and they can be justified if three years from now they haven't protected him he still takes more sacks than anybody if I'm a Bengals fan I hope so yeah. I legitimately hope so I hope that's where they go. And and I'm not a Bengals fan, and I hope they do because I think it's exciting football. And it makes it relevant, it makes the division fun. All those things are interesting to me. Um, I've got my own set of questions about what a franchise is going to do with or f- to find a quarterback. Uh, but the Bengals have one, and that, now that they have one, and now that he's elevated the franchise, as we have said, I have a concern that the Bengals might be able to, as a front office, sit back and say, "You've been critical of the way we've operated, but now look at us. We've been to the Super Bowl in just our second year with our quarterback, and the way we do things can actually work." And it, it really isn't sustainable to do things the way they've done them. No. They got very, very fortunate. It, it, it took, oh, absolutely. It, it took a two-win season <laughs> yeah. to put you in a position to get Joe Burrow. You've got to do everything you can, and I'm hoping they will. I'm just not sure that they will, and criticism of Burrow will disappear very quickly if and when the Bengals make it clear that they're going to do all that they can to, to preserve what's what, what's, what is the positive momentum that this season has given them? We need to take another Dungeon and Jeweler timeout. We're going to come back when we do a little short conversation about a somewhat controversial book that's been yeah. written about Duke basketball. Join us if you want to be a part of that conversation after this Dungeon and Jeweler timeout on Lima Sports Radio 93 1 The Fan. Back inside the basement doctor studio, Cooking the Monster on Lima Sports Radio 93 1 The Fan. And a uh, little college basketball talk now because, well, there's a new book out and we want to chat about it. Duke basketball coach Mike Krzyzewski has announced and did last summer that he will be retiring at the end of the season, his 42nd on the sidelines in Durham as the head coach of the Duke University Blue Devils. He is going to be stepping down the day that he announced that he would be retiring at the end of the season. uh, They announced that his successor would be current associate head coach John Shire, who played at Duke, has been an assistant there since 2013, became associate head coach in 2018. But according to a new book that is set to be released, does that come out this week, tomorrow, next day, something uh, like that? It is next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Okay, so we got we got about a week here. Ian O'Connor writes a book, and in the interest of full disclosure, it is a book for which Mike Krzyzewski provided no comments. Take that to mean what you will. The book is entitled Coach K, The Rise and Reign of Mike Krzyzewski, and it chronicles the, to quote ESPN, the fabled career of the Duke men's basketball coach who's retiring after 42 seasons and five NCAA championships. According to the book, Shashevsky had decided that he wanted John Shire to be his replacement because he met with Shire on the day of his announcement and he asked Shire if Shire would like to have the opportunity and Shire said that he wanted the job. However, the administration did conduct kind of a behind-the-scenes search for a potential replacement and it became pretty obvious that the university president 
was hoping to bring back Duke alum and current Harvard head coach Tommy Amaker to replace Mike Krzyzewski. Essentially, what the book goes on to say is that Krzyzewski had to have a phone conversation with Amaker in which he would have basically had to tell him, look, if you want this job, you've got to come back and be an assistant here for a year with me before I step down, which means it's going to be really awkward for the guys that are here. We don't know who we're going to bump off the staff. Essentially, it's, it's just not in the cards for you, Tommy. Thanks for everything, but <laughs> which, it's not going to work. Which the president of the university had almost assured Tommy Amaker that it was going to be his job. And then Coach K calls Tommy Amaker and says, hey, sorry, ain't going to have it for you, big guy. So lots of ways of looking at this. Is it a good thing when a head coach, as fabled as his career has been, as outstanding as Mike Krzyzewski has been, is it a good thing when a university's head basketball coach trumps the or, president in any sort of decision? I, I think the results would tell you no. If you remember when Jim Trestle was going through his stuff, which pales in comparison to things that have come out since that time, and Gordon Gee saying, you know, I hope he doesn't fire me. And that was a joke that was well received. Uh, uh, it's somewhat alarming that the that a sports coach has the ability to tell the president of the university, "Hey, we're not doing this," because that's how you get Jerry Sandusky's situations, Larry Nasser at Michigan State, Doctor Strauss at Ohio State, Doctor Anderson at Michigan, where all of these schools have the same problem, and it was because a coach had too much power. I, I've heard the well, that's lack of institutional control. No, 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 that's that's total institutional control. That's misplaced <laughs> institutional And that's control. a problem. Hey, I'd be the loudest voice saying when you do what Coach K has done, you ought to be allowed to pick your successor. And I'd be the guy that says that. But i got to be honest, I hadn't taken into consideration those types of things. And, and hierarchy exists for a reason. I will still believe that Mike Krzyzewski should be allowed to pick his successor and guys that do what he did should be allowed to. But I would also like to believe that they wouldn't be doing so over the objection of a university president, which warrants some level of at least awareness and conversation. Garrett and I have to take another Don Jingis Jeweler timeout. When we come back, we're going to reset our Twitter poll questions and chat about OSU Minnesota hoops tonight. We'll give you a quick preview after this Don Jingis Jeweler timeout on Lima Sports Radio 93.1 The Fan. Hour number two here on Cookie and the Monster. Top of the hour means time to take a quick reset and revisit our Twitter poll questions yeah, before the first, we move on. First Sorry. question up at 931 The Fan on Twitter. You can vote in for about 10 more minutes is what's more likely next season? The Bengals miss the playoffs or that they make the Super Bowl again? 75% say it is more likely that they miss the playoffs in 2022. We also are asking, now the football season is over, what takes your attention? College basketball, NFL draft, spring training, NBA. 52% say college basketball. Kevin on Twitter says, I'm looking forward to high school hoops tournament, especially district week, D4 at Elida and Wapak, D3 alignment, D2 at ONU. Can watch a game every night, Tuesday through Saturday. You're living my life too, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't wait. i got to agree with Kevin 1,000%. And just so happens that the D3 and D4 districts will be right in my wheelhouse. I'll get to be spending a lot of time talking about what I think is going to be some incredibly competitive and always entertaining high school hoops. But college hoops is where my attention goes this time of year, for sure. It doesn't supersede high school hoops. They just kind of coexist, and I don't watch much high school hoops on TV because I get to see a lot of it in person. And that starts tonight for a lot of people. No football to think about. Super Bowl over. Flip on Ohio State, Minnesota. Ohio State, Minnesota tonight at the shot. Buckeyes already have an 11-point road win 
in Minnesota, which, trust me, folks, is not an easy get. I don't care what the situation is. Winning in Minnesota is not easy. It never has been for Ohio State. So they have that in their pocket. I think most people would be surprised to learn, Garrett, if they haven't really followed college hoops that closely. Minnesota, not this part is surprising, but Minnesota is under a new head coach. They they let go Richard Pitino last year, and he jumped in at, where's he at, New Mexico? Yes. And Ben Johnson, I believe, was the guy that was hired to replace Richard Pitino. He had been a Minnesota assistant, been a couple different stops, but been in Minnesota. And they were 10-1 and one out of the shoot. Now, again, interest of full disclosure, 10-1 and one included wins over Kansas City, Western Kentucky, Purdue-Fort Wayne, Jacksonville, but also included wins over Princeton, Pittsburgh, on the road, Mississippi State, on the road, and Michigan, on the road. Also Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, and Green Bay. Not <laughs> you try to say that they're not on the same level. Not necessarily a killer schedule, but 10-1 and one is 10-1 and one with three really quality wins. Again, at Mississippi State, at Pittsburgh, and at Michigan in that 10-1. and one. And as we sit here right now, they are 12-10 and 10 and 3-10 and 10 in the Big Ten. Is there any cause for Buckeyes being maybe overly confident or overlooking their foe on their home court tonight? I don't, I don't think so. But mm-hmm. I, I felt pretty confident going into Rutgers last week. That well, and and, that and let me poorly, and, and, and just for the sake of being, you know, really, 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 really kind of overly cautious about things. They are 3-10 and ten in the Big Ten. One of their three is a win over Rutgers. <laughs> so let's not poo-poo these guys entirely again. Ohio State did knock them off 75-64. And that began a five-game losing streak. The loss to Ohio State started a five-game losing streak. They fell at Wisconsin. They got kind of belted at home versus Purdue. Double-digit loss to Iowa on the road and gave Nebraska their only Big Ten win to date during that five-game losing streak, before getting a win over Penn State on the weekend. Broke a five-game losing streak. Look, Ohio State, I believe, is the only Big Ten team that is undefeated at home. That's not nothing. No. And they have had their struggles on the road. They've had their struggles at home. Build an atmosphere that makes folks scared to come into the shot has been a struggle. Well, that's that arena is not built for that. I'm sorry. No, it's that, not. That You're absolutely not, right. That arena is built for professional sporting events and concerts. It's not really built to have a, a terrific home court advantage. It's just not. It's a great facility. I lo- love the uh the amenities and the comfort of being there, but it's not going to it's not going to provide for you the things that a Cameron Indoor can provide for you or things that Fall Gallon Fieldhouse can provide for you or even Mackey Arena uh in in for Purdue. I, it's just not that place. Statistically speaking, Ohio State should coast to this win. The concern that I have is what I said. They'll be a little overconfident. They're coming off what I think was was a win that was a bit of an exhale win. They had struggled on the road to go to Michigan and beat your rival by double digits. Is is a it's an exhale win. If they exhale and they kind of look past this game, that's where I have a concern for Ohio State. When you start looking at their schedule, this is not a game that anybody on the on the staff or the team could would have an easy time convincing the Buckeyes that you know you need to make sure you're absolutely on your P's and Q's and and be 
on upset alert, so to speak, because that Michigan win was one that I think was a little bit concerning to most fans. And then they've got to turn around and host Iowa and host Indiana and go to Illinois in the next three after this one. If there's such thing as a trap game, this one is it. And the Buckeyes are going to be on their home floor where they're undefeated in conference play. Still makes me nervous. And is that because in this was what I was going to bring up in the segment is if you close your eyes and think of who is the guy that it's going to pick up the slack if EJ Liddell don't got it. It's Malachi Branham, right? He's the first guy that jumps off the page to you. It's looking to be Malachi Branham. It is. He's a freshman, and it's February. Yep. Is there credence to the, he's going to hit the freshman wall at some point? There absolutely is. The one thing that would work in his favor is that he probably had more early struggles than most big-name freshmen have on college campuses now. It was a while before he found his sea leg. Yeah. It was a while. And when he did, it's been really, it's been quite impressive. He's played very, very well. But I still look at that Ohio State team the way I did after they let the, the Rutgers game get away, and I say, Liddell's a special talent. I don't see other people on the roster who can do things to create opportunity for themselves or their teammates, and Liddell really doesn't do that. He relies on execution, and then he has some individual skills, uh, particularly as a post player and as a stretch player facing up. He can shoot it, all of those things. I get worried about the guts of the game need for an ability to generate offense off of off of individual skill level, individual talent. I love Malachi Branham. He's really developed into a better player than I thought he would at this point in the season after watching him in the first four or five games, but I still don't think the guy can dribble. I, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't handle the ball well. One or two bounces, get, get, you know, get something at the rim, hopefully for him. He's not a guy that's going to separate and go create shots. And again, love Zed Key's effort, love Zed Key's energy. There's not a lot of teams in the Big Ten that have a five-man that I wouldn't say, yeah, I think he's probably better than Zed Key. There, yeah. there are a lot of guys that they're going to play that's, that I'm going to feel like we've got an advantage at that spot. And again, Jamari Wheeler, accomplished college player. He's had a nice what? career. Not a difference maker to me. No, I think that's fair. Arns has been far too inconsistent for anybody's liking. And the one guy that I think has the cojones to go to battle against anybody and feel like you got a fighting chance. Kyle Young, is he going to stay healthy? Is he going to have... Does he have more talent than the guy he's going right. against? No, no. probably is he, is, not. Is he going to go create a bunch of things that, that lead to buckets? He may create things that lead to extra possessions. Does those things really well. Those still got to be turned into buckets. Ohio State is concerning to me, even though, even though I do believe, and I've said this before, I ask routinely about a team's chances. I just want to know how good is your good. Ohio State's good is really good. When they're good, they're really good. But getting to that level. I have a concern about getting to that level consistently, and I have a concern about the mental makeup of this team. When I've said I think they lack some toughness, I think their road struggles are an indication that they lack some true leadership. Toughness and true leadership is going to be needed in a game like this one where you are heavily favored and you have reason to be overlooking your opponent. They can't afford to be doing that. So I think tonight is a very, very interesting game for Ohio State. The the tough part is you can only kind of have an as expected if they win by 20 they were supposed to if they win by 15 they were supposed to 
you know, if they squeak by, that's a bad thing. Obviously, no, yeah. no one thinks they're going to lose. They've got to find a way to deliver an as-expected in this in this deal. As we get late in the Big Ten season, it's time for them to stand and deliver the kind of wins and the kind of production and the kind of consistency that it's going to take for them to be taken seriously as a Big Ten title contender, but more importantly, as a, as a March threat. And that's what we need to see from the Buckeyes. we got to take another Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. When we come back, it'll be time for a little football at 5.15. Some more Bengals conversation. Join us for that after this Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. Cooking the Monster, 93 on the fan. And it's time for Football at 5.15. And Service Master at your service welcomes you to Football at 5.15. Hard work, determination, and sportsmanship create opportunities to be your best. Like Bear Bryant said, it's not the will to win, but it's the will to prepare to win that makes a difference. And that's why at Service Master, they don't cut corners. They clean them. We're asking on our, or we're asking on our Twitter poll questions, what was more likely next season for the Bengals to miss the playoffs or make the Super Bowl again? 76% said miss the playoffs is more likely. And is that just one, the turnover is 50% in the playoffs? And the young quarterbacks in the AFC are good, man. <laughs> it's just when you look at, you got to go through Herbert, Mahomes, Josh Allen, you know, the venerable Baker Mayfield. I'm sorry, I couldn't say that sentence. I couldn't say that sentence without laughing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Browns fans. I'm sorry. Uh, but the, the AFC is going to be tough for a while. How many teams in the AFC largely underachieved or had a season season that could be defined by something other than their on-field performance? Name them. The Browns? Browns, Chargers. Chargers. Raiders. Raiders. I would argue Colts. Colts. Ravens. Ravens, yeah. Absolutely Steelers. Ravens. Eh, Steelers are to a, like if there's a B level of this, yeah, I think so. But I, well, my point is we just named five teams, and if you don't want to name the Steelers, I'll grant you that. The Steelers were not expected to be very good. But I would please, dol- Dolphins. The Dolphins, certainly, even though they finished strongly. The, their, their overall season performance was underwhelming. So that's, was that five? That's a minimum of five. I would say it's six. I mean, the Steelers were the sixth, and I replaced them with the Dolphins. So that's, it's six teams. Saying all that to simply say that the Bengals getting to 10 wins by itself was a surprise. 10 wins was enough to win the division is largely because everybody else in the division either underachieved or was uncharacteristically below their expected level. Please understand that as bad as the Steelers were, and nobody made more fun of them than I did, they were still a calendar year removed from a season in which they started 11-0. and Yeah. I mean, there is something to be said for the fact that the Steelers' performance, while it was they did not have high expectations, still. I would not expect that if, 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 a huge if, but if they get some sort of an answer to the quarterback question, there are uh, there's enough in place there to make them extremely competitive. If they and if if the Steelers trade for Derek Carr, they're still a they're a, a somebody you got to watch out for to win the AFC North. What was the Steelers' record last year, Garrett? They were nine and eight. They had a tie. Oh, that's right. So they were nine seven and one. Yeah. Or eight seven, <laughs> yeah, nine seven and one. I nine seven right. and one. The Bengals were ten and seven. Okay, the Steelers had a nine, seven and one, Fair. and the Bengals went ten and seven and won the division within what wasn't. So I, again, making the the point strictly this: that if the Bengals don't drastically improve their regular season performance from this what they did this year to next year, if they don't make significant improvement, 
the likelihood is they're going to be fighting uphill in a conference that is loaded with talent at the quarterback position, loaded with teams that have high expectations, and teams that are looking to bounce back from a year that you can't account for injury, but you can't also expect it to happen for a second year in a row if you're the Browns or if you're the Ravens or if you're whomever. I don't know why it would be anything other than fair to say that the Bengals have have got to be on the list of teams that you would say would not at all be surprising if they aren't in the postseason in a year from now. I just don't see why it would be surprising. I think that's fair. When you put it that way, when you look at, hey, here are the teams who probably feel like they should be, should have been playoff teams. Dolphins, Bengals, or Dolphins, Browns, Ravens, Colts, Raiders, Chargers. And I realize the Raiders were in the playoffs, but they had higher aspirations than finish 10-7 and seven and losing in the wild card round. Staley says all the teams have excuses for why they had bad seasons, but nobody's got an excuse like the Texans and back massages. Well, well, uh, why don't we go ahead and call it there? Well, <laughs> we probably should. We'll call that a show. Bengals fans, I hope <laughs> I hope that the, what you saw this year is the beginning of a new era of Bengal football. I would love that. Just don't be so ignorant to the fact or don't be so willfully ignorant to the fact that if they miss the playoffs next year it doesn't mean that next year that next year turns out to have been a miserable failure of a season it's not necessarily the case nine seven and one would be a step backwards but wouldn't be a miserable failure of a season and it's likely not going to get you in the playoffs next year either (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i i mean i i think the Bengals are looking at they're going to need 12 wins 11 at least, to feel confident about making the playoffs, in my estimation, because I just think the conference is going to get better and better. At least, my God, I'm hoping the Steelers are better. <laughs> I'm really hoping I mean, the Steelers, they can't be worse but, offensively, right? Like, even if they're starting Mason Rudolph. No, if they st- if they commit to Mason Rudolph as their starter and they make it to 9-7-1 and next year, I, I want to name the stadium after Mike Tomlin. I want to name the franchise after Mike Tomlin. So the are they Pittsburgh the Pittsburgh, Mikes. I would say the Pittsburgh Mikes or the Pittsburgh Tomlins. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Mikes. <laughs> we'll go with it. That's fine. I can get on board oh. with that. We got a whole year to think about it. Well, several months anyway, off here to think about it. Football will be rolling back around soon. We'll, we'll talk draft and everybody can get all wrapped up in that. But uh, Bengals fans, try to enjoy your Super Bowl appearance. Please. Try to enjoy it because it isn't a guarantee. Coming back around anytime soon. 33 years was a long time, remember? <laughs> We gotta take <laughs> that's a shop belt. <laughs> we gotta take another Don Jiggins jeweler timeout. We gotta get to Lipsick High School. You've got a little more cookie in the monster without us in the studio. After this Don Jiggins jeweler timeout on Lima Sports Radio, 93 on the fan.